uh, shoved about a four or five day vacation into our busy summer and spent some time actually with uh, Cliff and Nancy Howry. Cliff is the founding pastor of this church and has been a mentor to me for the last uh, 150 years. And, uh, and so we got to spend some time with them up in Oregon and they send their greetings and they're just so excited about what God's doing at Grace Fellowship after all of these years. So it's good to be with them. It's good to be back. Thank you, Byron, for doing a great job of bringing the word last week. We're blessed by that as well. Um, yeah, 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 that's good. You can do that. Yeah, I don't exactly understand this. No one ever claps when I preach, but then whenever <laughs> someone fills in, it's like, yay! I know. Not really sure what that's about, but... <laughs> um, and this morning's going to be a little bit different, too. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit from the Word with you in, in a few minutes. But um, I, as you know, we're winding down summer. Uh, some kids are already back in school. Some parents are saying amen. Um, others are headed back to school in the next week or two. Uh, and summer's kind of winding down. And summer for us, a lot of churches, summer is a time where there's not much happening and but summer is always eventful at Grace Fellowship, and it's been a great summer for us. We had a whole bunch of people out in the mission field this summer in various parts of uh, the United States and around the world doing kind of cool stuff and joining God in what he's doing. And you got to hear from some of them um, a couple of weeks ago. We had the ones that were doing the missions in the U.S. up here sharing. Uh, and then this week, we're going to be hearing from some who were uh, out in Africa uh, who are back with us now. So... Um, Bo and Mim were in Africa really the entire summer, and uh, they work in the school system. Bo is a teacher, and Mim is a school nurse. So basically what happened is school got out in June, and just right after school got out, they got on a plane and went to Africa, and then they were in Africa the entire summer, and then they got on a plane and flew back. They got back on Monday and went back to work on Wednesday. So for all of you teachers who had to go to those teacher meetings and all that stuff that you enjoy, they slept through the teacher meetings and they said, sorry, we have jet lag. We're sitting in the back like this. So, but they are back and um, we're glad to have them back. And I asked if they would come just spend some time bragging on God, talking a little bit about what God has been doing and what they got to experience with him in Africa this year. So uh, with no further ado, let's have them come on up. And uh, share with us, and a rousing round of applause for Bo and Mim. <laughs> yeah, see, everybody but me. I don't know. clapping for Since there's nothing on your husband's head, that is kind of a cool thing. Um, that was quite an achievement. It was very short. But it's a sack of sweet potatoes that I was given. Um, and it was quite amazing that I could do that. So I'm way more impressed with that than you are. <laughs> the other thing that I really wanted to share um, and just kind of um, hope to capture just a little bit of the, of the twist of what God does. As you know, I did a two-day health education seminar. So I started off with basics, and it was carbs and proteins and you know dairy and all that kind of thing. And trying to see if they understood, I said, okay, so everything that's protein is an animal product. So tell me what are animal products that would be protein? 
the first two responses I got were locusts and termites. <laughs> and I said, you are absolutely right. Those are proteins. <laughs> and it was just kind of fun because it's what they had. So um, just as a little aside, but as you know, we um, bounced around a little bit in Zim. And, um, what is Zim? Zim? Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. Um, for those that uh, don't know. From, from now on, referred to as Zim because Zimbabwe is way too long. Um, and so uh, one of the first places that we went was where we had been before. Um, and this is an area that has a church that's now five years old. Um, when we went, they, you guys have heard about them for a couple of years. But um, we have been working for four years to get a borehole. And so this picture shows uh, a picture of the borehole that was just drilled in April. And uh, it was quite an achievement. And so that was a really cool thing. And they were very excited. And we got video of them dancing when the water came out. It was really cool. However, the water is um, super, super salty. Um, we tried to purify it and send it through our filter twice. And it was, it was undrinkable. Um, and so it was like, wow, OK, because the um, pastors there, Robertson and Margaret, uh, who are very dear friends of ours, um, had hoped to use this to bring in the tribe for agriculture. And so uh, that was kind of a surprise. But one of the people on the team, uh, his name is Tylos, and uh, he just happened to be there and is truly an agricultural expert. Uh, he knows animal husbandry like I've never heard. He knows soil and trees and everything and loves and knows the Lord. And he said, you know what? We'll just switch it up and we'll switch it from farms to animals because cows and goats and chickens all love salty water. Go God. So it was a, you know, but God knew. And we were all bummed. We were all like, oh my gosh. But God knew exactly what he was doing. So that was very cool. So the next picture is just us having a little bit of fun. Uh, <laughs> Um, and the next picture is a picture of Tylos. We actually didn't have a picture of him. He did a few little mini talks, but he's committed to coming back and getting them established with goats and chickens. And it's just awesome what God, what God is doing. So we're just going to um, share a, a few snippets and um, give you guys an opportunity to share on our trip. As Mim said, this church is five years old, and we were there when it was a year and a half old. So to see how much it's grown is amazing. This next picture shows the marquee five years ago. Piece of cardboard packed to the tree. Since then, this church has planted two other churches. And this next picture is a new marquee. The missionary who's there, missionaries who are there, Robertson and Margaret Munenge are really our heroes. They are amazing. They're from the Tonga tribe, they're Zimbabwean, but they went to the Doma tribe, which meant that they left electricity, they left running water in their home to live on a platform and learn a new language, which Robertson is amazing at. And this next picture is a, a picture of them having some fun in our hammock there. <laughs> they are really fun. Margaret spends her time just modeling Christian behavior to the Doma women. How to be a Christian mom, how to be a Christian wife, how to, how to be a good Christian. And Robertson is amazing. He's, the Doma are illiterate. They have no written language. So he's written songs in their language just using scripture. And they truly are our heroes. Um, one of the things we didn't know when we got there um, was that he has raised up some leaders in this little church. And so when we got there, I had like about three, maybe four talks prepared. I was like ready. Uh, the first Sunday there, we had church three times, and guess who was speaking? <laughs> and it's not like it's a different audience. It's all the same people. So I couldn't use the same material three times. It's like, I blew everything I had <laughs> on that first Sunday. And then Robertson says, we're going to do a leadership conference. And I was like, we didn't know about this. But 
someone came with us, a leader from our, our trip in 2008, one of the Zimbabwean leaders. This next picture shows her. This is Roz Dredge. She's a fantastic girl. She's up from Zimbabwe, uh, up, up from South Africa, and she wasn't going until about a week before this trip. And so she heard, leadership conference? We just did a seminar on Christian leadership. And I brought my notes with me so I could look them over. That was the material we used for that conference. God knew what was happening. He always knows. The last place that we went um, was on the other side of the country. And um, when we arrived, we found out that we had um, been scheduled to stay in a different place than we thought, which is fine. Uh, but it was about three and a half kilometers from any stores or anything. So we had to walk uh, to get our food and everything like that, which was, which was fine. But next to it was a coffee shop. And so as we would be walking, you know, we love coffee. So we would go check it out. It was never open. Like any time we went, it was never open. And so one time when we went to get food, we saw that it was open. So we went and we stopped and had coffee and... This woman, um, who was the owner of the coffee shop, came right over and she started talking to us and she was very interactive. And um, then she got called away and she came back and she actually spent about 20 minutes talking with us. She's uh, Zimbabwean, she's a Greek heritage. Um, I think there's a picture, oh there she is. Um, her name is Sophie <laughs> and um, she's born and raised in Zim. Um, but has never, ever, ever had God's word in a language that she can read. Because she speaks Greek and goes to a Greek Orthodox church and has a Bible in Greek, but she doesn't speak, she doesn't read Greek. So for those of you that came to our house, um, one of the things that was one of my prayer requests was who to give the Bibles that I was taking to. She got one of the Bibles. And God knew, and it was the first time that she ever had a Bible in a language that she could read. And it was so cool because God knew. It was unbelievable. Go ahead and slide the next slide up. <coughs> Me. <laughs> um, the last thing that I wanted to share with you was... Um, we also had an opportunity to go to a children's home from uh, infants through about 22 or 23 of uh, children, Zimbabwean <coughs> children who have been abused. They have been removed from their homes for really horrific situations. Um, and they had several pregnant teens there. And uh, again, this was about five kilometers from where we stayed. So it wasn't a long walk and we could walk there. <coughs> And it was just an amazing opportunity to be able to spontaneously do some labor and delivery classes with them, did a breastfeeding <coughs> class with them. And for those of you that know me, you know that I have a second job and that's what I do. I teach labor and delivery and I teach um, postpartum and I teach breastfeeding. And it was so cool that <coughs> God worked that out that these girls just happened to be there um, and we just happened to be there. One of them had arrived eight weeks before, and this is, this is the first time that many of them are actually <coughs> seeing the love of Jesus. And so um, while I was teaching the classes, we don't have any pictures of us because we were both doing <coughs> stuff while we were there. Um, Bo was playing with the kids, and so that's, uh, he loves to do that. And all this God knew what was going on. We had no idea. Go ahead and put the next slide up. In Siabua, while Pastor Doug and Pastor Glenn were doing the pastor's conference, Mim and I also had things to do. You can run to the next couple slides. <coughs> there he is. <coughs> Bring in the word. On this slide, Mim is teaching a health education conference. This is the one where they said that the protein was the crickets and termites or whatever. <laughs> Locus and termite. Um, I got a chance to go to schools. Now, we didn't know for sure what was going to happen when we went to schools because just before we had left, the <coughs> Minister of Education, who's Muslim, had said, 
there shall be no religion in schools whatsoever. And we're like, okay. We found out it wasn't really put into law yet. It was kind of up to the admi uh, individual administrator. If they were really secure in their job, they go, eh, it's not a law yet, come on in. If they were kind of like <coughs> not unsure of themselves, they were like, might be a law, so yeah, no, you can't. So we'd show up and we had some great time with, at some of the schools. Next slide, please. The one school we went to was on the shutdown, Zimbabwe day, where everyone stays home. For teachers, it means you go to school and you kind of stand around outside, which as a teacher sounds really cool to me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the administrator there said, no, you can't talk to the kids, I'm sorry. And I said, how about the staff? He goes, they're not doing anything, sure. Use my office. He invited all the staff in. I got to sit down with them. We got to teach the way of salvation. We got to teach them a few tricks and teaching the, to their students. And they were just like overjoyed. We can use this tomorrow. Because stay away was only one day. God knew what was going to happen. And if all of those teachers take everything we said and teach it to their kids, that's even better. Um, the last thing that we just wanted to say was that uh, this is a picture of, of Bo at a secondary school. We had a lot of opportunity to actually both of us to speak in primary and secondary schools and it was awesome. Um, the last thing that we just wanted to say was to invite you. We are having a time in more detail, in great depth about um, our trip on September 18th. So um, stick it on your calendar. We'll hopefully have it in the bulletin, but September 18th, um, we're going to blow you out of the water with what God did. <laughs> I love that. God knew, right? Yeah. And, and, and don't you know that that's always the case, right? I mean, did any of you experience that with BBS? If you were working VBS and you go, oh, this is a surprise. Oh, I wasn't expecting this. Oh, and yet God knew. And, and God is orchestrating and God is working. And it's amazing how when you go ahead and get out of your comfort zone and get involved with what God is doing, how much you see of him. And it's an amazing thing when you, when you say, okay, I'm going to put myself in a position where I'm totally dependent upon God and I don't know really how I'm going to do this or what's going to happen or how I'm going to manage this. That's when you find out experientially that the things that you read in your Bible are actually true, that God is actually as powerful as he says he is, that God is actually as wise as his word claims that he is, and God just reveals himself to us when we get out there and do that. So we had a bunch of people traveling this summer, um, and you were praying, and you were writing notes, and you were giving money to support these causes and all of that, and You've been hearing now from, uh, I think we're all back now, and so you've, you've heard some from each of us. Um, I was also in Zimbabwe. Uh, not, they were there the whole summer. I was there basically, you know, 10 days. And, um, and we, not even 10 days, a little, uh, about a week. And, and Pastor Glenn Miazona, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Walnut, who has preached in this church, and some of you know him, uh, he and I went together to do a pastor's conference in Siabua, and frankly, when we were planning this conference, um, when we were planning this whole trip, and our Zimbabwe uh, pastors that we work with said, hey, we want to do it in a place called Siabua, this pastor's conference, and we said, great, um, we don't know where that is, so we'll have to look it up on a map. You can't find it on a map. Um, you have to really find a good map before you can find this little place called Siabua, that is, you know, if you go like 15 hours from anywhere and turn left, then you get to see a bua. It's, it's out in the sticks. So let, let me just give you an idea, for instance. Um, when we got there the first day, we started our conference on a Monday. There was maybe about 30 people there for this pastor's conference. And you saw those pictures. Bring up one of those pictures, if you would, Alex, of the pastor's conference. So we're, we're standing under a tree. That was our conference center. There was this big tree, and it provided shade. Um, I wish we had a better picture where we could show you. They, they, make, they make their own portable chairs out of tree branches. 
and they, they nailed these branches together in such a way that they, they can sit on them. I couldn't sit on them, but <laughs> they sit on them for like 8, 10 hours, 12 hours through this conference. So the next time you're sitting on these cushy chairs and going, man, he's going on and on, yeah, just suck it up, okay? Because, <laughs> you know, the ones that are really well-to-do have the branch chairs, and the other ones find a rock, I'm not kidding, and sit on it. And they sit on this rock for like 10 hours while the, all of this goes on, and they're taking notes, and they're worshiping God, and it's just, it's just amazing. But So there they are, just a few, and, and frankly, we're looking at this group of 25, 30, 35 people that came for this pastor's conference, and I'm thinking, why are we having this conference in the middle of nowhere? Like, there's, it, it takes forever to get here. There's nobody around here. Why did they plan it this way? And throughout the day, more people trickled in, and then by the next day, there was probably twice as many people, and, and people kept trickling in, and I'm standing there teaching one morning, and all of a sudden, we hear this sort of roaring of a diesel engine, and Everybody kind of looks around, and here comes this truck up this dirt road, a big truck, and with an open back, and in the back is absolutely packed with pastors who are standing in the back of this truck who have been traveling, most of them, since Sunday to get there, and they showed up, was it Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning? And so they've been traveling for days to get to this place just because they need the training so much. And, and so it's an amazing thing when you realize... They knew where to have this conference. In the past, we've done it in places that were more established. We had, we had buildings with walls and ceilings and sound systems and all that. This time, we're out under a tree in the middle of nowhere. And yet, throughout the week, God just kept bringing more and more until there was over 100 by the end. And they're just eating up the training that we're giving them. And the gospel continues to go forth through these men and women of God who are just willing to say yes to God. We're going to take whatever we have and we're going to serve you. And we taught them how to grapple with a passage of scripture and understand it so they could teach it to others. Because so much of their preaching is just sort of off the cuff and very, very shallow. And a lot of it is theologically unsound. They're teaching things that they heard some other preacher say, but they don't know it's not accurate. And Heresy is spreading through people who don't even know that it's heresy, and it's tough. And so we were teaching them how to dig into the Word of God and how to make disciples. And it was just a powerful thing to see God doing amazing things in this little hamlet called Siabua, which is in the middle of nowhere. And you, you think about it, just to get to Siabua, let me just give you my example. Others, Bo and Mim, were, I think they set foot on every square inch of dirt in Zimbabwe over the course of the summer. They just went like this all over the map. Where are they today? Oh, they're over here. Tomorrow they'll be there. Next week they'll be up here. And they traveled all over Zimbabwe. Um, my travel was a little bit different. I got on a plane in LAX, and I was saying in the first service, I feel like that should count as a day of missions work right there, just getting to LAX. <laughs> So, started LAX, I flew uh, to Doha, Qatar in the Middle East, spent the day in Doha and a night, and then um, got up and flew to Johannesburg, South Africa, and the tip of the, of the continent of Africa. You know, when you think Africa, you go, oh, it's so hot in Africa. South Africa in July is like right next to Antarctica. It is freezing in South Africa in July. So, um, and we didn't bring clothes for freezing. So we got through that. Then spent the night there. And then we flew to um, Victoria Falls, Zimbabwe, which is where the falls are. And it's this beautiful place where it's just a little tourist town there. And then spent the night there. Then we got in a vehicle, all of us sort of stuffed shoulder to shoulder. Bo and Mim sitting in the back of this like land cruiser sideways, facing each other for. I don't know, what was the trip, like 9,000 hours, something like that? And we literally drove an entire day from Victoria Falls, which is not near anything, to get to Siabua. And finally, you know, after I don't know how many hours and hours in the car, we get to this dirt road, and I'm like, okay, that's a good sign. We turned onto a dirt road. We must be getting close. It was three hours on the dirt road from there to where we were going, and and. Then we did our conference, we then drove that same route back for an entire day to get back to Victoria Falls, spent the night, got on a plane in the morning, flew back to Johannesburg, South Africa, from Johannesburg, flew up to London, 
Heathrow Airport in London, but my connecting flight wasn't out of Heathrow. It was out of Gatwick Airport on the other side of London, so I had to then get a car to take me to Gatwick. Gatwick, I went from Gatwick over to um, Malaga, Spain, where the Cider family is, spent about three and a half days with them and helping with their ministry, and then from there I flew to Turkey the day after the coup, which was very exciting, and spent the night in the airport for fear of getting out of the airport and never getting back in, and then I flew from there to New York City, from New York City back to Los Angeles, and then drove the 91 hours home from LAX. Uh, actually flew into Burbank on the way back, so that was great, but uh, I don't know how many tens of thousands of miles that is, but it's a lot. And, and all of us traveled a lot. We spent a lot of money. We spent a lot of time. We spent a lot of energy. You spent money. You spent time. You spent energy for all of this to happen. And when you, when you look, look at it that way and you think of all the expenses, all the time, all the inconvenience, you go, Why? For this little town in, in Zimbabwe somewhere, um, you know, just to touch base with some missionaries in Europe and help with what they're doing, why do that? A lot of you worked VBS just a couple weeks ago, right? And you were exhausted and you spent and it was, it was money and time and materials and all that. And you go, why do that? Why do we do all that? The reason we do it is because we're following a Savior who taught us to do it. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to go to John chapter 4. Gospel of John, and for those of you who are sitting here going, oh my gosh, is he just about to start the sermon? Um, don't worry, we'll have pizzas brought in, it'll be fine. Um, no, I'm not going to preach, I just want to share this with you from John chapter 4. We're going to pick it up beginning in verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, uh, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which is noon. So so let me just help you to understand the geography of this. I want to put up a map of the area, Okay. So if we look at this map together, if you see down at the bottom where it says Judea, just above that is Jerusalem, which is located in Judea, okay? So you see Jerusalem, and then you see Galilee. If you just go straight north, you get straight to Galilee, right? And in between is this area called Samaria. And so it's, it's a really rather straight path to go from, from Jerusalem to Galilee, and yet no one used it. The Jews of that day would not take that road. And the reason they would not take that road is because the Samaritans were so despised and so hated that the thought was that if you even set foot on Samaritan soil, you were ceremonially unclean. You couldn't even worship God. And, and God forbid that you actually speak to or touch a Samaritan because these are the people who had some ancestors that were Jewish and some ancestors that were pagan, and they had taken Judaism and paganism and mixed it all together and created this sort of pseudo-pagan religion that was kind of like Judaism, but not exactly. And so they were just despised and hated by the Jews. And so no good Jew, certainly no rabbi, would go from Jerusalem all the way straight up into Galilee by going through Samaria. Instead, what they would do is they would cross the Jordan River to the east, go through that little mountain range there, go to the other side, go up, cross another river, keep going up through Decapolis, cross another river, and then go back and recross the Jordan by the Sea of Galilee. And it took days longer to go that way, and everyone went that way because you weren't going to set foot in Samaria. And the thing I want to point out to you here is in verse 4, what it says. So let's start in verse 3. He left Judea and went away again into Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So I want you to understand when you read that, when it says he had to pass through Samaria, it doesn't mean what we think it means, as though there's no other route except to go through Samaria. No, there was another route, and everyone took it. And yet Jesus took the route no one else takes. 
He traveled straight up through Samaria where all of those icky people are. And when he got there, he stopped. And he sent his men on ahead to get some food in town. And he stayed there by Jacob's well. And it was noon. It was the middle of the day. And along comes this Samaritan woman to the well. And many of you know this story, but I'll just summarize it for you real quick. This woman was caught up in all kinds of sin. Her life had been a disaster. She sort of wore a scarlet letter wherever she went. She was ashamed of who she was and ashamed of the way she was living. So she didn't come to get water in the cool of the morning or in the cool of the evening when all the other women came. She couldn't stand to be in the group because she was so despised. She came instead in the middle of the heat of the day. And when she came in the heat of the day, who did she meet there but this Jewish rabbi? What is he doing here? Why is this guy here? And so she, she's shocked and she doesn't know quite what to do. And to make things worse, he speaks to her. Now, it's one thing if you have to pass by one of these awful people and you don't want to touch them or anything, you just sort of go to the other side of the road and act like you didn't see them. But this is a Jewish rabbi, a man, and he speaks to this Samaritan woman, absolutely unheard of. And he says to her, you know, I see you drawing water. If, if you had known who I was, you could have asked me and I could give you living water. Well, she says, well, what is living water? He says, it's the kind of water that when you drink it, you'll never thirst again. He's talking about spiritual life. And he begins to explain to her the gospel. And she's got all kinds of questions because she's a Samaritan. So she's coming from her perspective and her cultural understanding and her linguistic understanding. And she's asking all these questions. And he's trying to answer those questions. And ultimately, he brings it back to this. He goes, I know you've heard about the Messiah who's coming. I who speak to you am he. And he reveals himself to her. He says, I'm the Messiah. And she's so blown away by this encounter with Jesus, that she takes off running, basically, and goes into town. And in the town square, wherever she can find anybody, she tells them, hey, you're not going to believe it. You have to come and see this guy who told me everything about my life. Skip down to verse 28 of John chapter 4. So the woman left her water pot, went into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. She goes into the town and says, I think I just found the Messiah. You guys have to come in here. You have to come and meet him. You have to come and see him. He came through Samaria. The, the, the Messiah. He came to us. He didn't, he's not just in Jerusalem. He came to us. He's here in Samaria. They say, I got to see this. The whole town starts coming out to Jacob's well, and they're all following him, and they get out there, and basically, Jesus meets these people, and we see some stuff about why we do what we do in missions from this story. And, and I know you think this is going to take a long time. It's not. Let me just give you four quick things. First, all of this going out of the way, all of this effort that Jesus made to go to this place where you're not supposed to go, where he doesn't know anybody, where he might not even be safe, where he's going to be in this uh, religious uh, mess. He goes there, and all of the effort that he expends to do this does not deplete him at all. In fact, it builds him up. If you keep reading, the disciples come back, they brought food back, they say, hey, master, why don't you have some food? And here's what he says. Look at verse um, thirty. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. He was actually rejuvenated by his own ministry. He, he did the will of the Father, and that built him up, that fed him, that satisfied him, that met his needs. And sometimes we get this idea and we go, oh, you know, if I, if I was the volunteer, I, it's just going to make me so tired. I don't know if I have enough time. If I was to, if I was to give some money to the, the Lord's work, then you know, I might not have enough money. And, and I'm just telling you, from the word of God and from years of experience, you can't outgive God. And so the more that you get involved in what God is doing, he doesn't allow you to be depleted by that. Instead, he builds you up. Yes. And how many of you who worked VBS could agree to that, right? You go, man, I just spent myself, and I feel so great about being a part 
of what God was doing. Second thing I want you to know is this. I just don't know how else to say this. Now is the time. There's no time for sitting around. There's no time for waiting. There's no time for going, you know, maybe when I retire and I have some more time or maybe once I get these financial things taken care of or, or maybe later, maybe when I learn some more, maybe when I'm more qualified, then I'll go get involved in God's work. No, look at what he says in verse 35. Do, not, do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. And he goes on. He says, um, uh, already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. He says, I know you think Someday will be time to harvest. It's not time yet. One day I'll get involved with what God is doing and we'll reap this harvest. But he says, I want you to know today is the day. And guys, how much, how much does this take for us to look out in our communities? I, I just challenge you, ask Jesus to give you some, some of his insight. Ask him to give you his heart for people. Ask him to give you his eyes and then look at your neighborhoods. Look at your campuses. Look at your workplace and tell me the field is not white unto harvest. It, it is time now for every one of us to get involved in what God is doing because God is doing something amazing and we are just invited to be a part of that. Third thing I want to point out is that this is a team effort. And, and all of you that wrote notes and made donations and prayed for those of us who were out in the field this summer. I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I echo the, the sentiments of all the others who were on the teams that went out. You guys were every bit as much a part of it as those who got on planes and went to faraway lands. Um, every one of us is involved. He goes, there's, a, there's some who sow, right? And then there's some who water, there's some who reap. But God causes the growth. And, and it's a strange thing. You, you don't know, but God knows. You don't know when you go on these trips. You, you think you have a plan. I'm telling you, your plan is almost meaningless. You, you know, you show up and they go, oh, we need you to do a leadership conference. Oh, okay. I guess I'll do a leadership conference, <laughs> right? And, and you don't know what is going to be needed. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know whether you're going to actually see people come to know Jesus or whether you're just going to plant some seeds that are later going to be watered by somebody that are later going to be harvested by somebody else. You don't know. But you know this. When you're involved in the work that God is doing, you're going to see God doing great work. And, and every one of us is needed for that. And the last thing, when we get out of our comfort zones for the glory of God, it does have an impact. Look at verse 39. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I've done. Just a little quick aside at the well. Just a little conversation with somebody he bumped into and revival breaks out in Samaria. Amazing. See, this faithfulness to say, I'm willing to get outside of my comfort zone. I'm willing to take a different path than the one I was expecting to take. I'm willing to do what others are not willing to do. I'm willing to recognize where God is at work and join him in that work, even if it takes me to a place or a way of living that is going to be so far beyond what I ever thought or imagined I would do. I'm going to join God in what he does. I promise you not one ounce of that is going to get wasted by God. Because when you join God in what he is doing, amazing things happen. And it's just awesome to be able to trust God and say, yeah, Lord, we're just going to go where you call us to go. And, and we're going we're gonna to get to share the gospel. We're going to get to spread this good news. You know, it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 that as Christians, we have been entrusted with this glorious gospel. Not just that he gave it to us that we might be saved and get to go to heaven and have all those great things but that he entrusted us with the gospel. It's been given to us to dispense to others. And he's called us to be a part of that. And guys, this gospel that he's entrusted to us, it is glorious. It is absolutely beautiful.
to think that, that whatever your language, whatever your tribe, whatever your nation, whatever your gender, whatever your age, whatever your denomination, whatever your religious background, whatever your story, wherever you are on the globe, the gospel applies to you. That all of us have the same things in common. As we go out into these strange lands, and I was in places, I was in so many places this summer, and, and I must have heard 50 different languages being spoken over the course of this trip. And you go, man, I don't even know who these people are. I don't even know what's going on. But you know what? With all the diver, uh, diversity, all the skin tones, and all the languages, and all the tribes, and all the culture, and all of the traditions... We all have more in common than we have that separates us. We have this in common. Every one of us is absolutely lost without Jesus Christ. Every person and every tribe and every nation, we're in the exact same boat. And so the gospel applies to every one of us. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. There's nothing we could do to save ourselves. And we have this in common. There is one God, one King, one Savior, and one Lord of all, and His name is Jesus Christ. And He came to set us free from our sin. We have that in common. And that His blood shed on that single cross 2,000 years ago in a, in a place called Israel, on a hill called Calvary, that one shedding of blood is sufficient for the, for the forgiveness of all of our sins. We have that in common. There's no other way, no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. We have that in common. His blood on the cross washes us whiter than snow. We have that in common. You see, it doesn't seem to matter where you go or who you talk to or, or what language you have to use to communicate. We're all in the same boat. Lost sinners who desperately need a Savior, and there just happens to be a Savior who loves us enough that he, that he came and lived a sinless life and died a bloody death on the cross for us, taking on the wrath of God so that we would not have to take it on for ourselves. And he hung on that cross until he said, it is finished. And he gave up his life and he died. And they laid him in the ground. And on the third day, an angel came, the stone rolled away, and Jesus Christ rose again. That's what we have in common. This gospel... This glorious, beautiful gospel that is a salvation uh, possibility for every human being. This gospel has been entrusted to us. And so what we're going to do is close our service by sharing and celebrating that incredible partaking that we have in this gospel. And we're going to share in the Lord's Supper together. And, and we're going to distribute some bread and some juice. And, and all of that is symbolic of the body and blood of Jesus Christ because uh, that night before he went to the cross, he gathered with his disciples and he passed around this bread that he broke and he said, this is my body which is given for you. And they didn't understand it, but he said, take and eat it. And they did. And then he poured the wine and he passed the wine around and he said, and this is my blood which is shed for you for a new covenant. They understood covenants and blood. They were Jews. They knew that you had to kill lambs or doves or bulls or goats or something because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus comes and says, I am the spotless lamb and I will lay down my life and my blood will wash away sins and bring forgiveness to everyone who will put their trust in me. And today, we're celebrating that together, along with people of different skin colors, people of different languages, people in different nations, people who lived thousand, a thousand years before, and the people who may come to live long after we're gone. We're going to celebrate with them as we share in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So if you're a Christian today, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you. And if you're just here investigating all of this, God bless you. Keep coming and checking it out. You're hearing more and more about what it is to be a follower of Jesus and how he changes our lives. But if that's you, you can just pass the tray when it comes to you because it won't have symbolic meaning to you. But for those who are celebrating today what Jesus has done for us, we're going to celebrate it together. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And while I pray, the men are going to come forward. We're going to very quickly distribute crackers and juice and you're going to hold on to it, okay? 
And then I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to all partake of it together, okay? Let's pray. Father, on this day, in this place, we are amazed to be gathered together with one another and at the same time mystically gathered together with all the saints for all time, celebrating just as they did 2,000 years ago, celebrating just as they are today in Greece and Hungary and Japan and El Salvador and Zimbabwe, celebrating with people of every tribe and every tongue the one truth that is the truth above all truths, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you've set us free from our sin and that we are no longer slaves to sin because of you. And so we say thank you, Lord Jesus. May you be glorified as we celebrate this together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. And there's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Let's stand together. To anybody else, it's a simple cracker, a little bit of juice. To us, it's the meaning of life. To us, it's, it's a celebration of our salvation. To us, it's the King of kings and Lord of lords who did not hesitate to lay down his own life for us. And our sins are washed whiter than snow because of the precious blood of Jesus. Let's partake together. And let's sing together one more time through the chorus of that song at the cross. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in of you. I'm in of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe to you. I owe to you at the cross. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender. Sin washed white, I owe. 
because of that cross, Lord. Because of your love, your grace, your mercy that flows out to us. That we can gather now as your children, knowing who we are in Christ. That our eternity is secure. That our hearts are filled with joy and peace and hope. It is because of you, God, that we have this precious gospel that has been entrusted to us. And Father, we, we are awash in your glory. May the light of Christ shine through us in a world that is so dark that it desperately needs you. And may you receive all the glory and we give you all the praise today. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go and rejoice in the Lord and have a wonderful week. Don't forget the membership information meeting is starting in about 10 minutes in the classroom right across the hall. So give the kids a little bit of time to get out of there and then go in and find your seat. We'll have lunch together and we invite you to come and join us.